You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. Lord bless you. What we're saying is, may the Lord kneel down before you. And that goes against the, the entirety of everything we were taught as kids. We must bow before the Lord. And I'm not saying we don't. I'm not saying we don't. But what I'm saying is the Lord wants to bless you this morning. So this morning the Lord is among us and he is kneeling down before us. Because he wants to do something for you. So I believe the Lord is going to do something for you this morning. So are you ready for the word? Beautiful. Let's pray and then we'll open up and we'll go from there. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that you are here. Jesus, we thank you. Your word says with two or more gathered, you are in our midst. So this morning, Jesus, in this beautiful gym, at this beautiful school, with these beautiful people, you are here among us. And this morning, Lord, I thank you that you're not here just to watch, but you are here to heal. You are here to set free. You are here to provide. You're here to pour out more of your favor on all of us this morning. So this morning, Jesus, I thank you that as we walk out of this place, your presence is dripping off of us. I thank you that goodness and mercy are following us as we leave this place. We declare even before we leave this place that you have already won every battle. You've already won every war. And this morning we will walk onto the battlefield only to collect the spoils of the victories that you have won for us. And this morning we rest in our position declaring that we are the ones in Charlotte that you love. We are the people in Charlotte that you love. I am the husband. I am the father. I am the pastor in Charlotte that you love. Of all the people in Charlotte, we are the church in Charlotte that you love. And this morning, we thank you that your favor is resting on us, even right now, even in this neighborhood, even right now in this city. So, Jesus, we thank you for doing and being who only you can be. And we thank you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Prayers sound more powerful when the microphone is not working with the speakers and you have to yell. So, (laughs) no, I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into the word. If you have your Bible, you can open up to John chapter 4. And I want to pause for a moment. He's not here this morning. Last Sunday, Pastor Samuel shared. It was great. I was really blessed by it. I went back and listened. And uh, I listened to it, I think, once a week. Beautiful. And then the week before that, my mother preached. I went back and listened to that once a week. And I just felt very, very refreshed. It was good to sit and listen. So, I've had two weeks off. Are you ready? For two weeks worth of not sharing anything to anyone. No, no, I couldn't do that. Actually, this is not a part of what we're going to share this morning. I've been studying um, by a guy named, I can't remember his name, Kenneth Bailey. Beautiful. I mean, this guy is awesome. He's an ex-seminary professor. He grew up in the Middle East. He wrote a book called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. I'll say this. There's one book I'd buy for every believer on the face of the earth. It would be that book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. Um, so I read it. I recommend it. But on top of that, he also wrote a book about Luke chapter 15, about the shepherd and the sheep. Now, I don't have time to share all that, but I will say this. Oh, my God. So are you ready? <laughs> let's, let's share what the Lord wants to share with all of us for this morning. Now, at the beginning of the year, if you're in John chapter 4, if you're taking down notes, don't worry. We'll have it on the screen. At the beginning of the year, the Lord said for us, for our church, this would be a year of what? Thank you. For those who don't know, this will be a year of reaping where you have not sown. 
In fact, the, the exact phrase was this, this will be a year of reaping. And what the Lord shared with me was some of you have been sowing into people's lives. You've been sowing into your family's lives. You've been sowing into your children. You've been doing all these things for all these people. And the Lord said, you thought that there was no harvest. And some of you felt depressed. Some of you let go. Some of you quit. And the Lord said, no, my eyes are ever watchful. In fact, one of the phrases that the Lord gave me was when Paul said in Galatians, do not be, uh, I'll paraphrase, don't be stupid. God cannot be mocked. If you sow, you will reap. Now, a lot of that verse has been misconstrued. People think that means, well, if you sow evil, you'll get back evil. When you're mean to somebody at work, what goes around does what? But let me say this. Jesus stepped in between that, that, that phrase. What goes around, he jumped in the middle, threw his cross right there and said, what goes around will not come back to you. Right? Everything evil you sowed, I reap the harvest for all of you. So now it's no more what goes around comes back to you. It's what went around, what you sent, what you sowed. All the bad things you did at the cross, Jesus reaped the harvest that he did not sow. And the Lord said, son, tell them this will be a year of reaping for where you have been sowing and sowing. And you're going to begin to see that harvest this year. Now, some of you, I don't know if you haven't seen it. I have, there's some areas I've seen a harvest. Some areas I'm saying, Lord, I'm still waiting for that harvest. But we're only halfway through the year. And there's still so much time left. <laughs> all right. So I'm excited about what the Lord is going to do for all of us. But the second part was this. You will also reap where you have not sown. So I want to show you the verse that the Lord gave us, the verse for this year. All right. If you're in John chapter four, John chapter four, verse 35 says this. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Now notice real quick, Jesus is saying, before we move on, Jesus says, hey, look, when you want to know what time of year it is, what do you do? You look at the clouds. Is it going to rain today? You look at the clouds. When you want to know if it's time to harvest, you do what? You look at the fields. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. Just someone with a little bit discernment can look at the fields and say, we're going to be harvesting tomorrow. Right? All right, someone who studied the weather for just a small amount of time. You can look at the clouds and say, I think it's going to rain today. Likewise, you want to know when it's time to harvest, just have a little bit discernment. Look around you. Look what God is doing. And I'm telling you by the grace of God, look what God is doing. This is a year of reaping where you have not sown. If you can't tell, believe me when I say this, this is a year of reaping where you have not sown. Stop believing that you're only going to get what you work for. Start believing that what other people are working for, God is going to make sure it ends up in your hands. In fact, let's say it this way. Your heavenly father is going to make sure it ends up in your hands. And everyone said Thank you. So then we come to verse, what, 36? It says, and he who reaps, Jesus is talking, he who reaps receives wages and gathers it. I'm sorry, I can't see behind the curtain. And gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Now, real quick, at the cross, we sowed a lifetime, an eternity of sin, an eternity of failure, an eternity of just bad things, all the evil we've done. And Jesus received that harvest. But what does Jesus say? He who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. At the cross, we see Jesus travailing in pain and agony. But do you know inside he was rejoicing because he knew what it meant for you. At the cross, Jesus saw you and he said, you know what? You will never get what you deserve. Instead, you will get what I deserve. And even in all the pain, even in all the separation from his father, he was rejoicing because he saw what it meant for you. Likewise, he who sows, Jesus sowed a lifetime and eternity of good things. Now all the favor rests on you. Thank you for that thunderous amen. Yes, Lord. 
All his healing rests on you. All his prosperity rests on you. Everything he has is resting on you. So that he who sowed Jesus and he who reaps all of us can rejoice together. Amen. So anyways, we come to verse 37. For in this, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. Now this morning, I'm just going to keep saying it. Don't get tired of it. I'm just going to keep saying it. You sowed, he reaped. He sows, you reap. Stop expecting bad things to happen. In fact, the Lord told me this. He said, son, be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. Don't say, I knew this was going to happen. Or before you get somewhere, don't say, I know this is going to happen. Because this person's always like that. Or every time this happens, that happens. The Lord said, stop saying that. Because you're already changing the harvest that you, I had planned for you. The harvest I had planned for you is better than what you expected. So stop saying out loud what you're expecting. Start saying out loud what you think I want you to expect. Expect the best. Expect the best. So next time you go to work or next time you have a problem, stop saying, well, they always do this. Instead, say this. They always do this, but by the grace of God, this time is going to be different. This one will be different. All right? Because you know what? Jesus sowed perfection that I might reap perfection. Amen. You ready to go home? (laughs) Verse 1 of 25. So let's keep going. (laughs) One sows and another reaps. Jesus sowed so that I can reap. You come to the next verse, verse 38. Jesus says, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. One more time. I sent you to reap that which you have not labored. You want to know what his commission for all of us is? Go out of this place and reap. Don't go out of this place and work hard. Don't go out of this place and say, well, I'm just trying so I can get ahead in life. I'm just trying to position myself so that I can get all this. Stop, stop, stop. You are already positioned. You are already seated in him. You have all, Jesus did all the work that needed to be done. You are not going out to work. You are going out to reap where someone else has sown. And everyone said. Now let me ask you, how much did you do to receive the healing that you need? Hmm? How much could you do to receive the healing that you deserve? Let me say this. Everything God gives you cannot come freely. Grace means it comes freely, but grace doesn't mean free in a sense of I'm just going to give it to you because I like you. I'm going to give it to you because I love you. Grace means someone else paid for it so you'll get it. God cannot be unjust. God cannot be unrighteous. You cannot walk into a store and the the store clerk say, well, I'm just going to give it to you because we're friends. That is still stealing. (laughs) Some of you needed to hear that on Sunday morning. That is still stealing, right? Jesus is not saying, I'm just going to give it to you because I like you. He's saying, I'm going to give it to you because it is rightfully yours. The store clerk took his wallet out, put his money in the register, and handed it to you. It is yours. Amen. So when it comes to healing, let me say this. Make no mistake about it. God is not saying, I'm healing you because I like you. He's saying, I'm healing you, number one, because I love you. But number two, it has been paid for. I would be unrighteous not to give it to you. I would be unrighteous not to heal you. I would be unrighteous to let that sickness tear away at you and defeat you. Not when I've already paid for it. It's yours. And everyone said, now watch this. Oh, that's not the verse I wanted to show. Oh, man. You know what? I'll show you this verse anyways. Watch this. In Psalm 129, all of a sudden, David is talking about, he says, all of Israel, let's come together and let's say this. We've all done this. We've done that. And then all of a sudden, in verse 3, he says this interesting phrase. The plowers plowed my back. They made their furrows long. Now, I'm not a farmer. I don't know much about farming. Uh, my generation, we, you know, we weren't, we grew up outside, but we also grew up with PlayStation. 
So I don't know much about farming. But this word furrows stuck out like a sore thumb. So what does the word furrows actually imply? In the New Living Translation, it says, my back is covered with cuts. Who is that? My back is covered with cuts as if a farmer had plowed long furrows. Wow. Now watch this. You want to know what a furrow is? Look at this. You see those lines in the ground? Where it digs in is the furrow. Not where the humps come on the top part, on the bottom part where it digs in. That's called the furrow. In fact, let me show you a little bit closer. Where it digs in, those are the furrows. The Messianic Psalm. David was writing and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit threw this in the middle of it. They put cuts into my back. They plowed my back with long furrows. Now, why is he calling what they did to him? Why is he referencing that of a farmer? Because when a farmer sows, he expects what? A harvest. Let me say this. Where did your healing come from? It was sown into his back. It was sown into the flesh of Jesus Christ. And there at the whipping post, not at the cross, at the whipping post, before he got to the cross, at the whipping post. Oh, man, watch this. Watch this. Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. In other words, we thought everything Jesus was suffering was because he did something wrong. But then, but he was wounded for our transgressions. In fact, let's make it personal. Say this. He was, let's say this. He was wounded for my transgressions. Oh, come on, everyone. He was wounded for my transgressions. Say this. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement for my peace was on him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Out of the furrows, out of the cuts that were put in him, now healing sprouts forth. I'm telling you, listen, the harvest that the Lord said, and I'm telling you, we're going to focus more on healing this morning. But the Lord said this, son, healing is the harvest. Healing is your harvest. It's it's part of your harvest. Stop expecting harvest in this area and in that area and not expecting it right here. Long before he does anything else, he wants you healthy. He wants you healthy. He wants you healthy. And we can quote we can quote Isaiah 53, but I'm telling you, when I saw this, my God, the Lord said, it's your harvest. This is the year of reaping where you have not sown. Jesus sowed. His back was plowed for all of us so that we could receive it. Now, let me say this. When it comes to receiving or reaping the harvest that we didn't sow, do you know that sickness is part of the curse? Did you know that? Some of you might not, but let me say this. In Deuteronomy, God says this. If you will obey my word, I think it's Deuteronomy 28, 32, 28. I think it's 28. The Lord says this. If you will keep in my covenant and do everything I've asked you to do, I will bless you. I will do this. I will do that. You will not be the, you will be the head. You will not be the tail. You will be the first. You will not be the last. Um, you will lend to your, your, to other people. You'll never borrow money from anyone else. And everyone said, <laughs> all right. You'll lend. You, you won't borrow. You will lend. And the Lord says, all these blessings will come on you and overtake you. Beautiful. I want all my blessings to tackle you to the ground. Be overtaken with my favor. But he says this, if you don't listen, all these diseases, all these curses will come on you. And part of the curse is sickness. Part of it is sickness and disease. Now, we're not, we're not going to look into that a whole lot this morning. But again, part of it is sickness and disease. So the curse is sickness and disease. But the blessing is healing. Correct? Now, let's keep going. Let me show you. The reason why I say that is this. In Joshua chapter 7, God says something very interesting. Now, let me, before we read Joshua 7, let me, let me give you the backdrop because I don't want you to read ahead. I know you. 
You don't look at me, you look at the screen. <laughs> All right, let me explain. In Joshua chapter 7, the children of Israel have crossed over the Jordan. They've defeated the first enemy, which was Jericho. Jericho's been destroyed. Don't forget the Bible says the walls fell flat. <laughs> when God defeats your enemies, you don't have to throw a spear. The walls fall flat. When the walls come down, Rahab and her family are saved. And God says, okay, great, because Jericho was the first, I want you to take all the spoil. And I want all the spoil to come into my house. Now, once that happens, listen, it's on the people to listen to what the command of the Lord was. It's on all of the people to say, Joshua said, the Lord said, take every piece of gold we find, every piece of silver, every nice piece of clothing, everything we find goes into the treasury of the Lord. We take the first fruits, we give it to the Lord, correct? Now, it's not on Joshua, it's on the people. Assuming that everyone did what they were supposed to, they go to fight their next enemy called Ai. And as they're getting ready to fight them, Joshua sends spies out. And the spies come back and say, listen, we don't need to send the whole military. That's crazy. There's a whole lot of people for a small enemy. Let's just send a few thousand, a few, you know, and we'll defeat them easily. We'll move on. This is not a big deal. So Joshua says, I think that's a great idea. So they send a small, small uh, group of men to go fight. And Ai beats them so bad, a couple of them die. They run back with their tail between their legs. When they come back, Joshua falls on his face and says, oh, Lord, you what in the way he starts throwing dirt on himself and he rips his clothes. He says, oh, God, you said you were going to defeat all our enemies. You said, you said, now what are we going to do? We're, we're, we're an embarrassment to all our enemies. What are you going to do? And the Lord says, why are you on your face? Get up. Someone among you has done something they should not have done. Now, this is where the famous phrase, there is sin in the camp, right? <laughs> we all laugh because we all heard the reason why this wasn't happening in church was because there's sin in the camp. The presence of God wants to move on this group of people, but there's sin in the camp. And unless we find that sin in the camp, God won't heal any of you. So everyone starts looking around. Well, it ain't me. It ain't. And the prophet came last week. He called up Reggie over there in the corner. <laughs> My point is this. There's sin in the camp. This is where the phrase came from, sin in the camp. And in fact, let me show you what God says in Joshua chapter seven. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and they have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I'm sorry, neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed things from among you. Let me back up real quick. I'm going to explain the sin in the camp in just a second. But let me back up. Right here in verse, what is this? Verse 20, I'm sorry, verse 11. God says, Israel has sinned. I put this in gold because I want you to see this. He says, for they have even taken some of the accursed things. Say cursed things. things. They've taken the cursed things. Is sickness part of the curse? Then the more you try to handle it, you're handling something that's cursed. Are you with me? No, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. I'm not saying don't take medicine. I'm not saying any of, listen, that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. I'll tell you what I'm saying in just a moment. (laughs) I don't want to get ahead of myself. But the more we handle these things, we're handling something that's cursed. Are you with me? Watch this. He said, because they've taken the cursed things, they have both stolen and deceived. I never saw that in my life until I was preparing for Sunday. God says, it belonged to me, but someone kept it. They stole and they deceived. To try and handle it is to steal from the Lord. 
He so wants to hold on to your sickness. He so wants to deal with your problems. He so wants to fix everything in your life so bad that the moment you try to fix it, he sees as you stealing an opportunity from him. (laughs) Are you with me? By simply not running to him and letting him fix it, he says, you're stealing and you're deceiving from me. Now, there's no guilt. There's no condemnation. There's none of that this morning. I want you to see his heart for you. I don't want you to feel bad. I want you to see his heart for you. So much so that even before you leave, you say, you know what? I quit. (laughs) I give it back. What can I take from you? What can I take? How can I say thank you for you being so aggressively concerned about my well-being, about my family, about my problems, about my life, about my health, about my, my protection? You being so aggressively concerned for me. What can I say? What can I give back to you? What can I say? How can I say thank you? How? You know what David said? Take more. (laughs) Not more of the curse. Take more from God. Let's give more to him. Let's keep giving more to him. Oh, man. I thought that was beautiful. Did you? Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before them. As long as you handle it, you will keep failing. Because they have become doomed to destruction, neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the cursed things from among, among you. This has nothing to do with all of us. The Holy Spirit, whether he likes it or not, is stuck with you. And you are stuck with him. Because his word says he will, ne- he will never leave you, nor whether he likes you or not. <laughs> He's stuck with you. So we come to the next verse. What is this? Uh, verse 13. So the Lord says, get up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is a cursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the cursed thing from among you. Now, what does the Lord say? You sanctify yourselves. How do you sanctify yourself? Would you like to know? I didn't put all this in here this morning. I didn't want to have too many verses. But you know how you sanctify yourself? You start letting him handle it. Everyone else at your job is trying to fix them, fix their own problems. Sanctify yourself. Stop. Don't try and fix it. Don't try and fix it. Well, you know, Judy always has something negative to say about me. Judy was talking about me last week. Great. <laughs> well, I'm going to go say something to Judy. You go talk to Judy. I'm good. <laughs> I got nothing to say to Judy. I don't know. What, I don't know a Judy. That's why I use Judy's name. All right. My point is this. Stop trying to fix the problems. And it's not just work related, it's family related as well. When everyone else is saying, well, you know, you got to talk to, this is how, you know, you got to say this to this person because if you don't say this to your children or say this to your brother, look, look, I don't, I'm not going to fix it. I'm going to let the Lord handle it. I'm going to let the Lord handle it. I'm separating myself from everyone else in the room because I'm going to let the Lord handle it. I will let him fight for me. What did the Lord tell Moses? Stand still. Moses tell the people, stand still and see what the Lord is going to do. And everyone in center church said, Amen. Let's fast forward. Pick up at verse 19. The next morning, Joshua gets up. And I believe in the, in the Hebrew commentary, they say he brought the priest with the Urim and the Tumim, which you talked about, right? And he says, let's ask the Lord who it is. So they bring the first tribe out and they say it's the tribe of Judah. All the elders and Judah comes across the breastplate. So they say, okay, let the leader of Judah come forth. He says, all right, Lord, who is it? And all the heads of the family stand up. And while they're standing in front of the high priest, all of a sudden, this tribe comes up and then they go down to the heads of the families underneath that tribe and then this family. Then all of a sudden they end up with a man named Achan. All right. So they come to a man named Achan. We pick up at verse 19. Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. 
And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment. Can you say beautiful? Beautiful. I saw a beautiful Babylonian garment. 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. And there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver underneath it. Look up here. Joshua, Achan told Joshua this. He said, look, I saw something beautiful. I saw something that would make me wealthy. And I took both of them for myself. Now, listen, the trick and the deception is to think that we can handle it. The temptation is subtle. Because when we see something happening, our first thought, let me say this, I can't speak for all of you. For me, I'm one of those people, I just love to solve problems. I love putting puzzles together. When something goes wrong around me, I'm the type of person I have to remind myself, stay out of it. (laughs) Don't be nosy. But if you have a problem around me and I'm listening and it was loud enough for me to hear, I'm going to try and fix it. (laughs) This is the type of person I am. I love to try and solve problems. I'm just a problem, I try to be a problem solver. And that's the subtlety of the, of, the, of the attack of the enemy, to try and solve every problem, to try and fix every, every, everything that's going on in your life. And all the while, the Lord is saying, if it's a cursed thing, stop trying to fix it. If it's a cursed problem, if it's a curse in your life, symptoms of a curse, give it to me. Let me handle it. Now, the way to give it to the Lord, I'll just go ahead and tell you now before we get there. The way to give it to the Lord, I believe, for all of us this year, is to take communion. I'm going to show you why in just a moment. But when you take communion, this is our response. When you cry out to the Lord in Hosea, the Lord says this, in that day, talking about the day after Jesus would come for us, in that day, you will cry out to me, I will not respond to you. God says, I will respond to the heavens. What heavens? The heavens above us, the atmosphere. I will respond to the heavens. The heavens will respond to the earth. Well, why didn't the Lord just talk to me? Listen, he's got something coming for you. I will respond to the heavens. The heavens will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to you by giving you the grain, the new wine, and the oil. What is the grain and the wine? The communion. And you know what the oil is always representative of? The Holy Spirit. Take the bread and the cup. Bring the Holy Spirit in. That is God's response to every problem we have. Are you with me? Now, I'm going to show you why in just a moment. But I believe when you take communion, you are saying, I'm exchanging my harvest for you. What you're doing is you're going back to the cross where the long furrows were made into his back. And when you take that bread in your hand, what you're doing is you're taking the harvest that's come from him. When you are sick, take communion and you're taking more of the harvest that comes from him. Did you know that in the book of Revelation... Revelation mirrors the book of Genesis. In Genesis, there's a tree that's in the midst of the garden, and God calls that tree the tree of life. Are you with me? In the end, at the end of the Bible, in the last book, in the book of Revelation, John sees in the midst of heaven, there's also a tree. And he says this, the leaves were for the healing of the nations. Are you with me? Every time you take communion, you're going back to those long furrows on his back, and you're pulling off something for you. You're eating your healing, little by little. Little by little. Every time the doctor says, take this four or five times a day, say, yes, sir. Take the medicine, but then say this. But I'm also going to take communion. I'm going to give you a chance to handle this first, Lord. I'm going to take it with it. Now, listen, some of you say, well, Matthew, if the Lord, I I, I heard what you said, but I believe the Lord will get me there. Let your faith be your faith. (laughs) We don't judge anyone in here for taking medicine. And everyone said, (laughs) This is not that type of church. We don't judge anyone in here for taking medicine. 
But if you're going to take the medicine, let's let the Lord fight with you. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to show you that. Let me show you this real quick. In Ruth. In Ruth, something interesting happens. You know that the whole story of Ruth happens around harvest time? Did you know that? The whole story happens around harvest time. Now, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but just summing up the story of Ruth so we can get to the part I want to show you. In the story of Ruth, Ruth is married to um, one of Naomi's sons. I don't know if the Bible tells us exactly which son she was married to. But Ruth's husband, and I showed you already. Let me back up. I told you, you read the slide when I ask you not to. Ruth is married to one of Naomi's sons, Malon or Kilion. We don't know, for example, for, for, to be exact. But her sister Orpah is married to the other. Two sisters married two brothers. When the two sons die, Naomi says, I'm going back home to Bethlehem. So when she goes back home, Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah <laughs> goes back and starts a talk show. Anyway, Orpah goes back home to Moab and Ruth says, no, Naomi, I'm following you. Where you go, I go. Where you lay down, I lay down. Your God will be my God. We all know the story. For the most part, go back and read it for yourself. She follows Ruth. She follows Naomi home. While she's home, Naomi looks at her. They're sitting in the house. She says, well, some, one of us has to go to work. <laughs> and Ruth says, send me out into the fields to glean in the sight of whose eyes I will find favor. She didn't say, hopefully I'll find favor. She said, I will find favor. Translation, I will find grace in the eyes of the one or I'll find grace where the Lord directs me to go. Which is what we tell all of you to say all the time. You will see the grace of God wherever you go. So she ends up in the field of a man named Boaz. Can you say Boaz? Boaz. She ends up in the field of a man named Boaz who happens to be the wealthiest man. A little bit older than her, but also the most good looking man. Age ain't nothing but a number. (laughs) So anyways, Ruth ends up stealing his heart. And on the night that they're gleaning and and all the men are falling asleep on the the, uh, threshing floor, because it's harvest time. This is a year of reaping the harvest. It's harvest time. All the men fall asleep. And Ruth comes and she uncovers his feet. He wakes up. What are you doing? And she says, look, will you redeem me? Now, Boaz is part of the line that can redeem her. I'm skipping a lot of details. He's part of the line that can redeem her. But he says, look, there's someone else in front of me who is supposed to redeem you first. Stay here tonight. And in the morning before anyone wakes up, go back home. All right. And I will handle this problem for you. So Ruth goes back home and she tells her mother, her mother-in-law, everything that Boaz told her the night before. And all of a sudden, Naomi rejoices and says, Ruth, sit down, my child, for Boaz will not rest until the matter is resolved. Now, Ruth is a picture of all of us, the church, your heavenly Boaz, your kinsman redeemer. He will not rest until the matter is resolved. As long as Ruth is standing up trying to fix it, Boaz will not work. But the moment Ruth sits down. He will not rest until the matter is resolved. Are you with me? Now, it's a beautiful story. You know, that's the last time you see Ruth in her story. She gets chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. You don't see her anymore. At chapter four, you only see Boaz. No more Ruth. Because the moment you sit down, Jesus takes over. And people won't see you anymore. Now they'll see your heavenly Boaz. So anyways, what happens is this. In Ruth chapter four, Boaz comes to the next one in line. He says, look, the right to redeem belongs to you. Do you want it? And he says, yes, I want it. Probably because she was a beautiful woman. And all of you are beautiful in the name of Jesus, everyone said. (laughs) He says, I want a redeemer. I want her. And Boaz says, well, he sees his opportunity slipping. He says, well, wait. If you want to redeem her, don't forget, you get all her land. And you get everything else that comes with it. It's a 
It's a deal. You can't take her, just her without the rest. And he looks at everything else and says, I don't want it. Because if I take her and I get everything else that comes with her, I'll, I'll forfeit what belongs to me. I will have to bend down to get her to me. And I can't bend for her. She's not worth it. Now listen, that's my parable. She's not worth it. Boaz probably smiling says, yes. <laughs> don't you love my commentary? <laughs> Ruth chapter 4, and Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's. Elimelech, El means God. Eli, God is. Elimelech, I'm sorry, God is my. Melech means king. God is my king. Watch this. Boaz says, I have bought all that was Elimelech's, all that belongs to God my king. And all that was Kilion's. Kilion means death. And all that was Malone's. Malone means sickness. From this and I'm sorry, from the hand of Naomi. Now, what does he say? Don't get stuck on the story. See the picture. He's saying, I bought all that belonged to God. And I bought all the sickness and I bought all the death. As long as she was married to Malone or Kilion, whichever one, she never had children. As long as she was married to sickness and death, she could never bear fruit. But the moment Boaz steps in and says, I'll marry her, all of a sudden, her barrenness ends. And she bears a son. And God saw fit to put her in the genealogy of his son, Jesus Christ. Oh, man. But keep in mind, don't, don't miss this. Boaz said, I bought it. She was stuck with sickness and death. And he says, no, no, no. Now that I'm redeeming her, let the whole earth be a witness. I bought her sickness from her. Give me your sickness. Give me your death. Give me everything in your life that's hurting you. Because it's not yours anymore. It's mine. And see, the problem is we, we, we tend to see it as if it's our problem, as if it's something we have to fix. And the whole time the Lord is saying, it's a cursed thing. Give it to me. It's mine. It's not yours. It's mine. It's mine. Stop trying to fix it. It's mine. Give me that bondage. Give me that problem. Give me that, that, that struggle. Give it to me. It's mine. Let the Lord be selfish in this sense. It's mine. <laughs> like a little kid. Parker is three and everything is his. It's mine. The Lord is saying, It's mine. <laughs> Stop trying to take it. Stop trying to handle it. It's mine. You take your toys, <laughs> which is my healing, which is my health, which is everything that comes through the harvest of his back. And give me all your sickness and death. Everyone said. Moreover, Ruth, the Moabitess, the widow of Malone, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. Skip ahead to verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And then he went to her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Again, as long as she was married to Malone and Kilion, and even after they died, as long as she had them in her life, she would never bear fruit. But I'm telling you by the grace of God, some of us, it took us this long to get to this point. But I'm telling you, the Lord is saying, if you'll give it to me, keep giving it to me. Keep coming back to me in communion. Keep coming back to me in communion. You're going to find that I'm going to cause you to become fruitful. Give me the death. Give me the sickness. You will become fruitful. And watch this. Then the women said to Naomi, it looks like a great story for Ruth. But then the women said to Naomi, when I saw this, the Lord said, son, I want to reverse the curse. What was sown was the curse. What came out was wholeness. What was sown was our sin. What came out was life. And the Lord is reversing it for all of us. And everyone said. Amen. Let me close with this. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul says this about communion. He says, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat the bread and drink of the cup. Now pause. Let a man examine himself. Examine yourself. In fact, do we have communion? Can we take it together? Let's go ahead and take it together. Let's go ahead and get it ready. Do you have it? You got the bread? All right, so let's read this together. He says, you don't have to read it with me. I'll read it, but follow along. (laughs) He says, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, how do we examine ourselves? In the light of the bread and in light of the cup. Now, real quick, what does the bread represent again? His body that was what? Broken for us. And what do we see in Isaiah 53? By his, we were... So while you're holding this, look, the, to the Jew, they would have matzah bread, which has the lines in it and is burnt lightly on the top and is pierced with holes all the way through. And it has no leaven in it, so it's very flat, it's very dry, okay? That's what they have. Maybe uh, pretty soon we'll get some matzah bread. We'll see. But when they take it to them, they don't have to use their imagination. They can look at what they're holding and they see that it's burnt. They see that it's pierced and they see that, um, what else? They see the lines in it. You know what the lines represent? What we just saw in Psalm 129, that the furrows are buried in his flesh. That's what they see. When they see the burn marks on it, they see that the fire of God fell on the bread or fell on the flesh of Jesus Christ. And at the cross, he cried out, I thirst, so that we can always say, I am full and satisfied. And there, when he cried out, I thirst, they brought him bitter or sour wine so that the generational curse would stop. What your parents suffered with, you will never suffer with. If your parents struggled with something, don't ever declare, well, my, you know, my dad or my mom. No, I will never struggle with this in the name of Jesus. And look, they have the holes in it for the piercings. What do the, what do the holes represent? He was pierced for all of us. Years ago, I know you're holding the bread. I'm sorry. Years ago, I said, I said, Lord, what does the right hand and the left hand and the feet mean? The piercings. And you know what the Lord showed me? In Proverbs, Solomon says, in your right hand is long life, and your left hand is riches and honor, and in your right hand is long life. And all the paths of peace, I'm sorry, all the paths of wisdom are peace. And he said, son, in my right hand is your long life. The whole, when he was pierced, he stretched his arm out. And there, when they pierced his hand, for you, your long life was paid for. And on his left hand, your riches and honor. Can we say that? Your riches and honor, can we say that? That God wants you to have wealth, true wealth, riches and honor. And then his feet were pierced for all of us so that everywhere you go, the peace of God will go before you. And everywhere you walk away, the peace of God is walking behind you. I'm telling you, the peace of God is surrounding you everywhere you go. To the Jew, they see all this. They don't see Jesus. We see Jesus. (laughs) But that's what they see. I know this morning you have to use your imagination. But if you would, just close your eyes for one second, holding the bread up. Just close your eyes. And this morning, if you're suffering with anything, anything, let me say this. There is nothing too small to put before the Lord. There's nothing too small. There's nothing too big. You say, well, I have a headache, but that doesn't count. No, 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 no. There is nothing too small. If you handle something cursed, that's on you. This morning, we're going to give it to him. Examine yourself in the light of the bread. What do you need from the Lord this morning? Now, while you're holding the bread... I know the cup is beside you, but with your eyes closed, 
the cup says that you have been forgiven. You have been, not will be. You have been forgiven. Now open your eyes. Verse 29. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now watch this. We've talked about the judgment that's already on the world. We won't talk about that. But I'll close with this. Not discerning the Lord's body. Discern in the Greek is the word diakrino. Diakrino. Dia literally. Two words. Dia and krino. Dia means thoroughly or back and forth. Which again speaks of furrows. Discern the Lord's body. See the lines in him. See, see the harvest that's coming from it. But dia means thoroughly. And then the word krino means judge or decide. So while you're holding the bread, decide this morning. Did he take that sickness? Did he take that headache? Did he take that disease? Did he take it? Decide. Because discerning the Lord's body means right now I am thoroughly choosing and deciding that he took this for me at the cross. So that right now I will decide to take his wholeness. And everyone said, oh man. Last verse and we'll take communion. For this reason, this singular, there is no other reason. Beloved, oh, come on, church, I'm telling you, there's not five reasons why you're sick. There's not 10 reasons. There's not 15 things you haven't done. There is one reason. Jesus said, I'll make it so simple for you. Whatever else the enemy's telling you, well, you didn't do this. You haven't done that. You're still doing this. Listen, listen, listen. Let's just go ahead and kill that right now. This is the only reason. But I'm telling you this morning, healing is going to break out in all of our bodies in the name of Jesus. Amen. Close your eyes, hold the bread up, repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that the furrows were plowed into your back at the whipping post. You received my harvest, which was sickness, which was disease, which was everything that came through the first Adam. And right now, as I hold this bread, I decide, I judge myself, healthy, whole, prosperous, nothing missing, nothing broken. I decide to receive and to reap the harvest that you sowed because you reaped the harvest that I sowed. So I thank you that I am healthy, I am whole. Every symptom of the curse is being reversed right now in the name of Jesus. Every lying symptom on my children is being reversed in the name of Jesus. Every lying symptom in my family is being reversed right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for it. Amen. If you would hold up the cup. And if your eyes closed, if you would just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your blood that was shed for the remission of all my sin. Past, present, future. I am completely, totally forgiven because of your blood. Your blood blood. makes me righteous. righteous. 
still is making me righteous. I am righteous now and forevermore. I am the righteousness of God in you and the blessings, the protection, the favor of the righteous. All that belongs to you is now on me, is surrounding me like a shield. Where your blood is, there can be no death, only life. So as I drink this cup, I declare that your life is flowing through me. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Like I said, some of us have seen it. Some of us haven't seen it. And I still believe there's much for the, that the Lord wants to do for all of us. You wrote down your three things at the beginning of the year. If God hasn't done all three yet, there is still time. So we're going to put the pressure on them. <laughs> Get it done. Because we're not caring about those things anymore. Amen. I love you. I'm going to bless you before we close. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.